Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, guys, uh, who wants a breakthrough? Who needs a breakthrough in your life this morning? Um, <clears throat> wherever you are today, can I prophesy, yea, verily, that the Lord wants to take you further than where you are today? Uh, because He's a God of infinite resource, His ways are past finding out. Uh, there is always more to a never-ending God. And, uh, and the avenue and the way in is what we are about to do over the next few weeks. Uh, there is no greater power and weapon available to the church than fasting. It is God's supreme weapon to get a breakthrough in your situation. And we've been preparing the church over the last few weeks uh, for the next 21 days uh, with um, a series of messages uh, to help you understand why fasting is such a powerful weapon. And in the first week, we talked about fasting is inextricably, chair, inextricably uh, linked with uh, fasting, prayer. And uh, not any kind of prayer, but prayer that's fueled by faith. Uh, he that comes to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. When we carry faith within our hearts, faith moves the hand of God. Faith, God is drawn to faith like a magnet. He is drawn to that reservoir within our life that says, I believe you can do it, God. And I believe you want to do uh, incredibly more, more, and much more than what I've ever seen in my life before. And Jesus talked about faith with the, with the widow who just kept persistently, day after day, bothering the unjust judge until he said to her, I'm weary of this woman coming. And at the end of that parable, Jesus said this, Yet when the Son of Man returns to the earth, will he find faith? Will he find faith? Will he find it in your heart? Because the last days, there are ravaging spirits that are released on the earth, and they, are, they have a job description, and that is to suffocate your faith. It is to choke your faith. It is to strangle your faith. It is to suck any faith that you may have out of your life by getting you to focus on all the things that are so easy to focus on in the day that we're living in, all right? The world is full of bad news. Turn the six o'clock news on every day and you're just going to get bad news after bad news. There's hardly any good news that's been broadcast on the media uh, airwaves. And so we're conditioned with bad news. And if we're not careful, we buy into all the disappointments of life and we don't realize that it's suffocating our faith. So when we pray and fast, God is wanting us to build our faith. God is wanting us to allow the faith reservoir within our life to grow so that we can see the hand of God beginning to move in fresh and new ways. Amen? 
And so last week I talked to you about that. Well, I asked the question, is fasting for Christians today? And that people say, what a boring message this is going to be. Well, is fasting for Christians today? Well, I guess the answer is yes, it is for some and no for others because they've never tried it. So they wouldn't know whether it is for them today or not. But uh, Jesus gave us an answer. When he was accused of partying up with his disciples, said the Pharisees fast, John the Baptist disciples fast, but you guys are partying all the time. And Jesus said, when the attendants of the bridegroom are with the bridegroom, is it a time to, is it a time to mourn? But when the bridegroom leaves, then my disciples will fast. And then he said, no one puts a new patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment, lest the tear is made worse than the original. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, lest the wineskins split and spill. And so he was talking about fasting. So Jesus was saying, yes, they will fast, but it's not going to be like the old days of fasting. It's a day where we celebrate, where we delve deeper, where we discover the revelation of the kingdom of God that Jesus brought. When Jesus came, he came to establish a new day, a new realm. It's the realm of the King and His kingdom. The kingdom is advancing. The kingdom is moving. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. It's a new day on planet earth. And when we fast, we're fasting for the advancement. We're fasting for the revelation of Jesus and His kingdom. It's a different kind of fast. It's not bending the Lord's arm behind His back so He'll listen to your requests. It's a fast of revelation. It's a fast of hunger. It's a fast drawing deeper into Christ and allowing His Spirit. So I'm excited over the next three weeks. I'm not necessarily excited that all the sugary products in my system are going to have a slow, agonizing withdrawal out of my body. I'm not excited about the headaches. I'm not excited about all that stuff. But when you get past all that stuff in a couple of days, it becomes extremely and extraordinarily exciting as we focus and press into the King and His kingdom within our life. So today I want to give my last installment on prayer and fasting as we lead into tomorrow. And I want to talk to you today about fasting for the reward of the Father. And I want to talk to you about a right way of fasting and a wrong way of fasting. Now this message is probably going to be one that's going to really get under your skin. So prepare your heart and uh, prepare your attitudes because we're going to look at some of the words of Jesus that were very, very, very pinpointed words uh, that were designed to get under my skin and under my skin. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you today for the word which is quick and powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. Lord, it divides asunder between the soul and the spirit, the bone and the marrow. Doesn't get much more dividing than that, Lord. And it discerns the very thoughts and intents of our heart. And even in this message, as we examine your words to us, Lord, we pray today, just expose anything within our life that needs to come to the surface that's restricting the movement of the Holy Spirit within our personal lives. We're asking this today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want to begin a statement today, and if we can have that up on screen, if we go back to the first, uh, so no, sorry, we get past that, keep going.
No? Are we missing a slide? Where are we? Yeah. yeah that's the one. Yeah, that's the one you had in the original place, eh? That's cool. So here we have a table, a very basically furnished table. And this statement, fasting is a declaration that we would rather feast at God's table in the kingdom of heaven than feed on the finest delicacies in the world. That's the bottom line of what we're about to enter into. We're not focusing on the denial of food at our normal table. We're saying, I'm about to take a seat at God's table, the table that he's furnished in the kingdom. And I'm about to feast on the spiritual realities of the kingdom that Jesus brought. And I'm going to de deny my body from the delicacies and the finest things of this world in order to feast at the table of the Lord. Isn't that a great way of looking at it? Isn't that a powerful way of understanding what fasting really is? You see, when Jesus, at the outset of ministry, he began with a 40-day fast. And in those 40 days, the Spirit led him into the wilderness, literally into the desert. I don't know if you've ever seen the desert around the nation of Israel, but it is very, very bleak. It is very incredibly dry. It is a harsh place. It's a place of wild animals. It's a place of intense heat during the day, intense cold at night. Jesus was, this is the place he dwelt for 40 days and for 40 nights without any food. And over that time, the devil contended with him. And so this was a battle for supremacy in the life of Jesus. And, and the Bible says the Spirit led him there. The Spirit led Jesus Christ into a place of self-denial and into a place where he could feast upon the Word of God. And it was only Jesus' commitment to the Word of God that sustained him through the power of the Holy Spirit to resist every temptation. You know what he resisted it with? Satan, it is written. Turn these stones into bread, Jesus. You must be really hungry by now. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So when we're fasting, we're living off the living bread. We're living off the living word. We're allowing spiritual realities to become a deeper ingrained part of our life where we see Jesus in a deeper and more realistic way than we ever have done before. And when we sit at the table of the Lord, we're saying this when we fast, God above everything else, I know I've got a lot of breakthroughs I need in my life. Maybe you've got body issues, maybe you've got financial issues, maybe you've got children issues, maybe you've got housing issues, whatever issues you may have. When we're fasting and set aside time to seek God, we're saying above everything else, Lord, I want you. I want you. You are my reward. You are the one that I'm pursuing and seeking in them. In them. We don't want to, this to turn into the one-armed bandit at the casino where we put in a few coins of prayer and pull down the arm and expect to get a few coins spilling out at the bottom. That's not what this is all about. It's, it's all about feasting our heart, our attention, our eyes upon the living God and gaining stuff. You see, Jesus warned us that we all have an issue within our life. The parable of the sower and the seed. Who's the sower? The father. 
The seed is the incorruptible word of God. And Jesus gave four different types of soil. And on the third type of soil, we, we begin to see what we're up against as we determine to set our hearts towards the Lord, because this is what Jesus said. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, <clears throat> even innocent things like food, and the desire for other things entering in, choke the word, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. You see, that's the agenda of your enemy. The agenda of your enemy is to choke the word of God out of your life. And how does he do that? He gets you to focus on the deceitfulness of riches, the desires of other things, and the cares of this world, which he called the thorns that grow up amongst the seed that God's planted in your heart. And if we're not careful, if we're not, uh, if we're not above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of your life. If we're not doing the gardening, this is what happens slowly but surely. There is a change of affection in your heart and my heart towards the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and other things, including the finest of foods, including all those things that we know we shouldn't put into our bodies, but we do because we love the taste of it. And as a result of it, the word is choked in our life. And the word can no longer have free course within your heart because basically you've drowned it with all this stuff. And I've drowned it with all this other stuff. So Jesus, um, Jesus gave us the example of the kind of table that he sat down with with the Father. And he described it like this in John 4, 31. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. Why was that? Because Greelin, the gremlin, the hunger hormone, was growling in their stomachs. They knew that Jesus had been on his feet, preaching, teaching, miracles, signs and wonders. He was giving out all the time. And they're saying, Jesus, you need to stop and refuel. You need to stop and refuel this body of yours. Otherwise, you, it's, you, you're going to get drained. You're going to get weak. And what was Jesus' reply? Here was his reply. He said to them, I have food to eat, which you do not know about. And so Jesus was encouraging us to go deeper. Jesus was encouraging us that God sets a table for us that's got spiritual food on it, that when you taste and see, you'll see that there's a whole new dimension of God available within your life if you're prepared to sit at the table of the king and eat the food that Jesus ate and sit with him at that table instead of the table of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Hallelujah. So this is the food that we're seeking. Jesus also said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He issued an invitation. He said, I'm knocking, James. I'm standing right here. I'm knocking on the door of your life. And what did he say? If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. It was an invitation of intimacy. It was an invitation to say, come closer, Jesus. It was an invitation to focus 
in on the realities of the king and his kingdom. So Jesus went on to give some specific instructions on how to fast and how not to fast. And that's what we're going to cover it uh, off for the rest of this message. Matthew 6, verses 16 to 18. Whenever you fast, not if you fast, but when you do fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Praise God. Aren't you excited that at the end of a proper fast done the proper way, there is a reward that Jesus openly places out there for you. Many Christians say, oh, it's not right. Good to be motivated by reward. Why would Jesus say it unless he didn't mean it? There is a reward for those who seek the Father in secret, do fasting the proper way. You can bank on it. You can guarantee it that as you enter into a, a fast, the Father's reward is waiting for you today. I'm excited about that because his rewards are much better than human rewards. He can reward me because he knows me inside out. He knows the best possible thing for my life. And he's saying, I'm going to reward you. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Praise God. So, this is what Jesus said about fasting. There's two types of rewards. The first type, he warned us about. He warned us not to seek this type of reward. And he gave a label to those people who do. And that label was he called them a hypocrite. What's a hypocrite? The literal meaning in the Greek is an actor. An actor, putting on an act. Putting on a false front. So let's delve into this a little bit deeper because I think we need to understand why Jesus would use this kind of strong language when he's talking about this spiritual discipline. So he says there are people, these people, who neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by man. Hello. They're carrying, they're carrying out their spiritual disciplines, and Jesus talked about three of them. He talked about giving, praying, and fasting. And he warned us not to be doing these things in order that your works are being seen by men. And this is the reward that hypocrites desire. And I want us to be honest this morning. Who has not found it so rewarding to receive the admiration, the admiration and the praise of man and how addictive that can be to your ego and to my ego to be seen well of, to be spoken well of, to have a fine reputation because you seem like such a spiritual and strong Christian. This is what he's talking about. And so you're, you enter into these spiritual disciplines focused on the horizontal, not the vertical, and you live your life out of the horizontal, doing things, literally acting before others, 
in order to receive the praise and admiration of men. Wow. There's few things more gratifying to the heart of fallen mankind than the addiction of the praise and the admiration of man in our life. I wonder if this type of behavior is still alive in the church. We say, oh, that was the Pharisees back then. But then I read Mark 12 and I think, well, I wonder if it's actually still operating today because this is what Jesus said in Mark 12, verse 38, that they like to walk around in long robes. You know, the flash clothes, the nice shiny white shoes, the nice hairdos, and like respectful greetings in the marketplaces. In other words, they like to have a reputation amongst their peers. Mm. They like to take the chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. Have you ever been to a big flash conference? They have a room off the side called the green room. And the green room is only to invited guests only. The plebs are not allowed into the green room. <laughs> you have to have a special honorary invitation to get into the green room, and you'll only get into the green room if you have a reputation, the honor of man. Interesting, isn't it? And they devour widows' houses. In other words, I don't know if you've ever been in a meeting where they've hard-pressed on an offering. And you've got the wealthy and you've got the poor in that room. And they will press and they will extract every last drop out of that offering out of your pocket. Hmm. Wow. They devour widows' houses. And for appearance sake, offer long prayers. For what sake? Appearance sake. To be seen by others. Friends, how strong is the love of the praise of men? We will dress ourselves, we will position ourselves, we will try and get the best seat, we'll try and get the best reputation in order to be seen by men. So you're beginning to see what Jesus is talking about. And uh, the danger of this type of hypocrisy is this, listen, it's successful. The danger of this type of hypocrisy is it is so successful. It aims at the praise of men and it succeeds. But Jesus said, that's all the reward you're going to get. If that's what you're after, you can have it, but there isn't any more. Sorry, you have received your reward in full. That's what Jesus said. So why did Jesus call them hypocrites? Because you see, the heart that motivates fasting is supposed to be a heart for God, not for the praise of men. That's why he called them hypocrites. They're making out as if it's for the heart of God, but it's actually for the praise of men. And so that's so. this is what he's talking about. He's talking about this is a heart motive issue that I'm focusing in on the wrong way and the right way to approach God with our spiritual disciplines. The second reward that Jesus encouraged us with is fasting to be seen by the Father and he said it will be rewarded by the Father. So how do we fast in truth? Well, this is what Jesus said. But you, 
He's talking to you this morning. He's talking to me. When you fast, anoint your head. Wash your face so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. Friends, look normal when you fast. Not like super spiritual sunset, Sam. All right, carrying your biggest Bible to church. Wearing your flashes clothes. Did you know I'm doing a 21-day fast, everybody? I'm a spiritual sunset, Sam. That is my alter ego name. You can address me as Sir. We can so easily, and, and yet, you see, it's not outright like that. It's a lot more subtle for most of us when it comes down to this whole thing. And that's, that's the addictive nature of the admiration of men within our life. So he says, wash, put on your deodorant when you're fasting. <laughs> Smile. Don't come to church because you haven't eaten for three days. What's wrong with you, brother? Oh, I'm fasting. I'm fasting. Have a shower. Do your hair. Put deodorant on. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, have a shower. Praise God. <laughs> so that you're seen by your Father who is in secret. Fast to be seen by God, not to be seen by men. Fasting is an intensely God would act within our lives. We do it towards God who sees when other people don't see. So do we really have a hunger for God himself, or is it a really a hunger in disguise for human praise and human admiration? I don't know if you've noticed, but how easy it is to do spiritual things activities when you know you have an audience. It just seems so much easier to do spiritual things when someone else is watching you, you know? So much easier when somebody knows you're fasting and says, how's the fast going, brother? Somehow they found out. Hopefully it wasn't you who told them in the midst of that. But it seems so much easier when, when we have an admiring audience to carry out these spiritual things. It appeals to our, our ego and it becomes this deadly addiction to bring esteem and to butter ourselves up with the praise of others. So, can I just say this today? Is that if that's our, if that's our angle, this is what happens. We don't get to sit at the table of God. We sit at the table of men. And you will receive your reward, but it won't be anything like the Father's reward when you fast in secret to your Father. That's a much better, better reward today, uh, today for you. You know, Judaism, the Old Testament tradition of approaching God, fasting was an outward sign of an inward condition to them. They would display their spiritual prowess by putting on an external performance of fasting and prayer and the giving of their money. Remember Jesus standing at the door? He literally stood at the door and watched what people were putting in the offering. So I, I am always aware that Jesus is watching what I'm putting in the offering, and he's looking at my heart attitudes over that. 
But he looked and he saw these guys bankrolling the synagogue, rolling out their wads of money. And this little widow that came in and she gave the last two mites of any money that she had into the offering. And Jesus warned everybody else. And he said, you think you're spiritual by chucking in those big wads of money into the offering. But this woman has given the last of everything that she owns. Her reward is going to be a lot bigger. And so the Jesus type of fasting, when our audience is the Father, when we're doing it in secret, fasting is an inward sign of an inward condition. There's no outward. The Pharisees, it was an outward sign of an inward condition. So they could show off how spiritual they were. But Jesus says, I've got a new realm for you. It's an inward sign of an inward condition within our life. And that's where you're going to get your true reward from. So let's finish off this message this morning and talk about the reward that the Father is offering to us. Over the next three weeks, God will see your sacrifice. He will see your self-denial. He will see you reaching out to Him in a much deeper and a personal way. That will be costing your body because your body will go into screech mode, letting you know that that, uh, you know, even with a Daniel fast, which is a partial fast, as soon as you focus on getting rid of that sugar out of your body, it's going to scream at you because our bodies love sugar. Sugar, did you know that they've done brain scans on, uh, on sugar content coming into the human body? And did you know it's exactly the same scan that shows up with cocaine use? The pleasure senses in your brain light up the same way when you take cocaine and cocaine as they do with sugar. And so it's going to be real for us this week, for those of you that will deny yourself in that way, not to mention the coffee addiction that many of us have. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So what is this reward that the Father is talking about? Friends, this is what I believe. The reward of your heavenly Father, the primary reward that you get when you seek Him in secret through your prayer, your giving, and your fasting, the chief reward that will be yours will be a greater revelation of Him. You will draw closer to Him. You will see personal breakthroughs and intimacy within your life. There'll be less soap opera involved within your household and more and more closet seeking of setting yourself away in the secret place in order to pursue God where you, you find yourself longing to sit at his table rather than the table of the delicacies of the world where you're prepared after you do a fast to even go further with the Lord and deny yourself in other areas within your life, where you suddenly start getting control and dominion over your earthly appetites in order to satisfy your spiritual appetites. You know, Jesus gave us three things in the Lord's Prayer that he told us to, to, to pray. Hallowed be thy name. Great is the reputation of your name. When you seek the Father in secret, this is what happens. His reputation grows in your life. 
You long to hallow His name in a greater way. You long to bring glory to that name that's above every other name in a greater way. You become defensive of the, of the name of Jesus and all that He's offering, and you're prepared to stick up for the name of Jesus. All around the world right now, thousands and thousands of people this week will be martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not sure whether you know this, but all around the world in persecuted nations, Christians this week will be put to death for their faith. Why are they, how can they bring themselves to that place? Let me tell you how. Because they have sat at the Lord's table and they've communed and they've dined and they've sat down and they've denied themselves. They've taken up their cross daily in order to pursue God. And they are going to receive a martyr's reward in heavenly places. In fact, I think, friends, we're going to get a bit of a shock. When we reach heaven and we see the status in heaven, we're going to see people that you've never, ever heard of. You're going to see little old ladies who have been in the prayer closet for 50 years praying for revival and breakthrough over people's life. Nobody knows them. Nobody knows their name. Nobody's ever seen them on a stage. But they will have a place of prominence in the kingdom of heaven because they have served, they have loved, and they've been willing to do it in the secret place where nobody else sees them. Hallelujah. The kingdom will expand through your life as the Father's reward. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. The kingdom is advancing. Jesus told us to pray not for a shrinking kingdom, but an advancing kingdom. The realities of the kingdom will advance within your life, your business. Every facet of your life, you will see the kingdom of God advancing. Because this is the reward of the Father. Thy will be done here on earth as it's already been done. There is no greater sweet spot to be in your life than in the will of God. In fact, let me tell you that when you're out of the will of God, you will know it. When you're out of the will of God, everything doesn't synchronize together. It feels awkward. It feels difficult. You don't feel the, 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 the smoothness of the flow of the Spirit operating in and through your life. You keep coming up in head-butting concrete walls, brick walls. You keep coming into cul-de-sacs, no exit places within your life. But when you're in the will of God, yes, there is a battle for supremacy going on within your life, but there is also the flow of the kingdom of God flowing through your life, and you're blessed to be a blessing to other people's lives. So the Father's reputation, hallowed be your name. The advancement of the kingdom is your reward. The will of God being done in your life is your reward. I've done many fasts over the years to do with the will of God, of positioning myself before I make a move, before I make the big decisions within my life, because it's been in those times where the Father has been able to direct me as I've chosen to sit at His table rather than dwell at the table of the world and feast upon those delicacies because they will choke the word, the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world and other things will choke the word and the power of the word within our life. So let me finish this off because there is a glaring question that needs to be answered with the teachings of Jesus. What about a public corporate fast? If nobody's supposed to be knowing about it and we're doing a 21-day church fast... Well, there's bound to be people that are going to find out that you're fasting. So how does this teaching line up with the public fast? We know, obviously, 
in the Bible, the Day of Atonement was a public fast for every Israelite. There was no participating or eating of food on the Day of Atonement. We also know that there were fasts called often in the, in the Old Testament times where they set themselves aside. Normally, it was because they were desperate for God to win the battle. And they showed their desperation by willing to sit at the table of the Lord and focus in on what God's plan was for the nation. But what about the New Testament? Yes, we do see that all of the early apostles fasted. And many of them joined in with public fast, Acts 13, where Paul and Barnabas and the, all the leaders of the church agreed together to fast, to set Paul and Barnabas aside, to send them out for Christian missionary work. And the Bible says they all joined in on this fast. They prayed, they got the mind of God, and they sent them out with the blessing of God upon their lives. So we understand that there's times with public and corporate fasting where, we, where people may discover that we are actually denying ourselves and doing a fast. So let, let's see what else Jesus had to say about this so we can just clarify that for you. Because otherwise some of you are going to walk out here so paranoid if somebody finds out about my fast, I'm sunk. I'll get my reward and it will be their praise for me doing a fast. Maybe not as dramatic as that, but you can feel it in your spirit sometimes. And you definitely know when you've broken that code by boastfully fasting, or boastfully sharing with others that you're doing a fast. Let's not go there. But to start the whole chapter of Matthew 6, where we're getting the information about the right motive and the right attitude that I've talked about today, Jesus actually unveiled the truth behind this thing in the very first verse of Matthew 6, verse 1. This is what he said. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Not the fact that you're practicing a public act of righteousness, but the fact that you're practicing a public act of righteousness in order to be seen by others. You see the difference? So Jesus is making it very clear here in this situation. The point of it all is not to have your public righteousness and acts of righteousness before men, that that's necessarily bad, but it's doing it in order, the motive of your heart, to be noticed by men. Wow. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret. So he was saying, let's, let's do our prayer in secret. Let's do our fasting in secret. But did Jesus practice public prayer? Yes, he did. So he's saying, pray in private. Go into your secret place where your Father will see you. But he actually also practiced public prayer. Are you with me so far, church? Okay, so let's examine this one more time. Another example where Jesus actually told us in Matthew 5 verse 16, he says this, Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. Oh, bit of a contradiction going on here. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So this is what Jesus is saying to us. The key to everything that he has spoken in this whole chapter of Matthew 6 is to do with the motive 
and the attitude of our hearts. That's the key to it all. Let me just um, let me just add to that. So he says. There's some acts of righteousness that won't be able to be concealed. And in fact, when you're in right, and when you're in right relationship with me, when you're in right connection with me, I want you to actually go out and display and show off public acts of righteousness so that other people can see in order that I might get the glory. But in order for God to get the glory, it's your heart attitude that's going to make the difference. If you're going out to display public acts of righteousness, but your attitude and motive is for you to receive the praise and admiration of men, then God won't get the glory you will. And Jesus said, that's your reward. You can have it, but you're not getting anything else from me today. So it's the motive that's at stake, not simply whether you want your acts to be known by others, but why you want them to be known. Is it for God to be glorified or for you to be admired? So, we conclude this. If somebody finds out, because you skip a me- you skip lunch, you go, you don't, you always go to the lunchroom at lunchtime. Yeah, shooting off with your mates there at work, da 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 da, and suddenly you disappear at lunchtime, and uh, and people find out that you're fasting. Have you lost your reward? No, you haven't, because it's your heart attitude and your heart condition. That is the key between whether you receive the Father's reward or whether you receive the reward of the admiration of men to stroke our ego and to make us feel good because people see that we're so spiritual. Let's stand to our feet this morning.